I remember distinctly going into the body shop and seeing how Anita Roddick, the owner of body shop at that time, she has since passed, was telling the stories of where the ingredients came from. And Sherry, I won't lie. I was happy and then I was upset at the same time because I was like, these are our stories to tell. These are ingredients that we grew up with using and not liking. Welcome to Distinctly You, where we talk to women who have redefined success at different seasons of change. Today, we'll be talking with Funlayo Alabi, the CEO of Shea Radiance, a natural beauty brand that creates hair and body products with a mission to influence the way women care for themselves, their loved ones, and their communities. What did it take for Funlayo to embark on this thriving entrepreneurial journey? Well, let's get into the conversation. Welcome to Distinctly You. I am so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us for this conversation today. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And I'm really excited to speak with you today, Sherifa. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I know you personally, and you are a wife. You are a mom, an auntie, and you are also an enterprising beauty brand mogul. And you wear a lot of different hats, to be quite honest, but you do it so seamlessly. Can you share a little bit about your background that has helped shape this CEO, this fabulous CEO that we know today? Oh, my goodness, Sherifa. I I think you said it all when you said I am a mom. Well, first a wife, a mom, an auntie, and a mentor. And all these things kind of fit seamlessly into what I do as a business owner. Um, One of the beautiful things about starting a brand, a beauty brand from my kitchen, was that the DNA of the brand was already kind of holistically involved in my life. So um, when we started, you know, mixing products in the kitchen because... um, of the kids' eczema, you know, Toluma was the eczema king. You know, it was really um, having him on my back and doing the work we needed to do as the business was growing. That's kind of like the DNA of the brand. So that is why, you know, there's a seamless cycle between who I am as a friend and an auntie and who I try to be and how I try and show up as a businesswoman. Giving a little bit of my background, my background is in technology, believe it or not. I worked um, for an insurance company in Washington, D.C. for many years. And while I was doing that, um, I was having kids doing the long commute, which I know most women in the D.C. area understand. It's long, it's exhausting, it drains your soul. Um, While I was doing that, uh, my husband and I were building the Shea Radiance brand in the evenings and on the weekends. And what we were doing was we were mixing natural ingredients in our kitchen, taking care of the kids' skin and realizing that many other friends and family had the same issue. And, you know, they would visit us, we would give them scoops. And then we started selling at the farmer's market. And really, that was the beginning of the brand, just really organic, family-oriented, trying to solve a problem in the marketplace. And that's how we got started. Wow. I really love the story that you shared. Um, By the way, Tolu, that you just mentioned, is your son. 
And I am actually one of those people who would come over to your place and get some tubs of the shea butter, uh, also for my son, uh, (laughs) Josh, uh, who is also dealing with eczema as well. So I can tell you firsthand that it works and how you did, in fact, start in your kitchen, which is why having personally been on the sideline, seeing you start and your business become what it is right now is true. Truly, truly inspiring. So kudos, kudos, kudos uh, to you and for all that you're doing. So you, you know, there are a couple of things that you said there in the sense that it started at home, it started with a need that you saw right there in your home. And in solving that need, discovering that it was a need that other people had. And it takes someone to be able to say, okay, here's a need yes, I'm going to solve that need. But now being able to have an eye to see like, this could be a business opportunity. Like what was that point that it became real to you to say, you know, this is more than just something that we're doing in our kitchen in the evenings? You know, Shefa, that is a really good question. And the reason I say it's a good question, I think for anyone who starts a business, especially like uh, an indie type business, it's a lot of things that are probably going on in your world and in your head that kind of, you know, come to um, that conclusion to start a business. So let me tell you a few things that were going on in my head and in my life at that time. I was already reading a lot of books about things going on all over the world. I was already looking at things that were going on in the continent of Africa and the opportunities there and really not knowing where I fit into that solution. But I think the big thing for me, and this was maybe about 18, 20 years ago, was going to the malls and going to stores like um, L'Occitane or the body shop and seeing that they were using ingredients from all over the globe. And I would go into, I remember distinctly going into the body shop and seeing how Aneda Roddick, the owner of body shop at that time, she has since passed, mm-hmm. was telling the stories of where the ingredients came from. And Sherry, I won't lie. I was happy. And then I was upset at the same time, because I was like, these are our stories to tell. These are ingredients that we grew up with using and not liking because we're like, you know, they were not in shiny packages. Shea butter has a distinct African um, flavor and story. Shea butter only grows in the West African Sahel, right? It doesn't grow everywhere. It can't grow anywhere else but Africa. Shea butter is to Africa what olive oil is to the Mediterranean and the Middle East. And the beautiful thing about shea butter is that the shea fruit fall from the tree from April to August, and every shea fruit that falls from the shea tree is handpicked, Sharifa, handpicked by an African woman. And then women take the seeds to their communities, they peel the pulp of the fruit, they process the butter, and they sell it. And that is how women make extra money to take care of their kids, their families, and to feel financially empowered. And so I would look at all these things and I'll be like, how come it, it takes a piece called volunteer or someone from Europe to tell our stories that why don't we have a platform to be able to showcase what we know about our, our stories? And so in my mind, 
we were solving a family's problem. And when my husband and I talked about it, we're like, you know, we're not just going to be share butter sellers. I don't see myself as a share butter seller. We are going to be a brand. And building a brand is different from selling shea butter. Because when you're building a brand, you are, the value is actually more in the brand than in the product. And so everything we did from that point on in terms of, you know, it was very early on. We didn't have a lot of money. Even our packaging, we decided that it wasn't going to look like we just grabbed it from a corner somewhere. We wanted the packaging to be as elevated as we could afford it to be because we knew we were building something that would allow us to tell a story, mm. right? And be able to connect our customers with the source. Wow. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there um, with what you said, but recognizing that you saw something that a lot of people from the African continent just took for granted as, oh, you know, that's just shea butter. Mm -hmm. And being able to recognize the fact that it's not just even about the shea butter, but it's about the stories behind the shea butter. Mm -hmm. And what that involved is really huge. Now, can you just share a little bit about your background in terms of your experience with even knowing about shea butter and about the fact that it was in fact something, you know, whether it's you personally seen grown up or what you had heard about to recognize the fact that there was something there to use shea butter to empower women, which is what you are doing. Because I know you've been to different West African countries, working with women in remote villages, teaching them how to harvest these shea, shea nuts to make the shea butter. Can you talk a little bit more about that and that experience? Sure. So uh, when we started traveling to different parts of West Africa, it was a very eye-opening experience. I am of Nigerian extract, obviously. Uh, I was born in the UK, but definitely raised in Nigeria. My formative years from age five to 17, I uh, was, you know, in Nigeria, lived in Lagos. And for anyone who lives in a major city, your food gets brought to you from the interior. And shea butter was one of those things that got brought to Lagos from the interior. So even as a Lagosian using shea butter, I wasn't necessarily connected with where it came from, how it was processed. We just knew that, you know, when you have a baby, you massage the baby with shea butter. You know, it was something every grandma or old auntie had in their cupboard. If you had chest pains or a cough, they would mix it with camphor and either make you swallow it and rub it on your chest. And Sharif, I don't even know if that's even, <laughs> I don't even know if that's a healthy thing. Anywho, that is how shea butter was used um, growing up. And, you know, people used it on their bodies, you know, older women used it on, on their arthritis and people who were quote unquote, not ne necessarily city folk used it as a daily moisturizer. I grew up during a time where um, a lot of Western products were be being introduced to the market and we gravitated towards them because the packaging was beautiful, nice and shiny. I mean, who wants to take a tub of shea butter or shea butter wrapped in newspaper to boarding house <laughs> if you were in Lagos? People would think you were like bush. But everybody wanted a nice jar from Avon or something from Jergens because it, it, it just looked cosmetically good. But one of the things I found along the journey, well, first of all, was that in terms of how the women processed the shea, when we started going and working with a branch of USAID, 
the women already had all the wisdom on how to do the processing because they not only used it for skin and hair, they also used it for cooking. So it's a cooking oil in these areas. And so the way they processed it was they would process it because they knew they would use it up in a couple of weeks or months. So when we got there, really, we were not teaching them anything they didn't already know. These women were wise in terms of extraction and processing. What we came was with some knowledge that we had learned from the technical people at USAID on how they could process it to have a longer shelf life. Meaning that, okay, dry the nuts a little longer. There are scientific terms like FFA and peroxide levels that, you know, you know, the West is very good about metrics. <laughs> and in Africa, we just know what to do, but sometimes we don't measure. So they brought all that technology there to make sure that the nuts are dried to the right um, level so that when they extract the butter, the butter will have a longer shelf life. That really was the only value that we brought. But kind of going back a little bit to the genesis is that we also, it was also a time of awakening as we were working with this shea butter, working with the women, kind of changing our own family's beauty regimen from a lot of the store-bought products. You know, an awakening came that, you know, Africa is so rich in resources and the things that I despised as a young woman growing up there are actually the things that are needed, right? If you pick up a bottle, if you go to your bathroom or you go to any grocery store or beauty store and you read the ingredient list on the most beautiful products that you can find, these products have very few things that work for our skin. Very few. So I'm like, what are they doing with all the money? their marketing. And so just getting to a place where I started embracing more the simplicity and the effectiveness of the childhood shea butter, coconut oil, all those things that we thought were garbage, right? Because they were not nicely packaged. Embracing that and knowing that, you know, these are the things that solve skincare problems. And then making that a driver in all our formulations at Shea Radiance. Wow. I mean, that just goes to show you that there's so many things that we have right under our noses that we take for granted. And just really peeling back the layers to look at those things. And, and there's gold, you know, pretty much in, in a lot of those things. And you not only embarking on the journey with Shea Radiance and what it's become and still becoming, you also tapped into a movement in the natural, everything being natural. And uh, I guess it's uh, economically uh, friendly and uh, environmentally friendly and uh, vegan and all those little terminologies, you know, so you literally came in at a time where natural is what's considered better now. Yes. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) So there you go. Yes, yeah. yes. But so you know, it's something. It's something our grandparents had known from day one, right? Mm-hmm. And we just started chasing shiny things, you know, and things that looked beautiful. And now we've come full circle to realize that, you know, grandma was right. <laughs> yes, she was. And so I was curious. 
since you've been on this journey now for almost two decades, I'm sure there's been a lot you've learned along the way and a lot of people you've impacted from whether it's the women um, in Africa who are harvesting these shea nuts or the end users themselves who are using your product. Is there any story that comes to mind that's memorable that you would like to share through these years? Wow. You know, I can't even believe that we're talking almost two decades. It seems like just yesterday. And I think for me, looking back, I didn't realize how long it takes to build a beauty brand. There was so much I didn't know, Sharifa. Um, coming out of my background and even with a business major, there's just things I, I didn't figure out till I actually got into it. And then you get into it and you, you, you've gone too far. You can't back out. You're like, we got to make this thing work. And I, I, for me, the biggest lesson has been admitting to what I don't know and getting help and also being really persuaded that, you know, you have something of value to offer the world. So failure is not an option. You just keep reaching out to mentors and people who know more than you to kind of guide you along the way. And as you're figuring things out, remember to help people coming behind, figure things out. One of the things I know as, you know, a Nigerian woman, a black woman living in America is that sometimes you need to see someone ahead of you <clears throat> who has done what you're doing and done it well so that you can say, you know what, if she can do it, I think I can figure this out. And for me, some of my earlier mentors were Lisa Price uh, from Carol's Daughter. Um, she was really a great inspiration because she was a wife. She was a mother. You know, she started in her kitchen, too. So it made me realize that I could do that, too. But I, I do believe that um, the length of time it takes to really build a solid business is going to vary for each person. Some people get in there and in five years, they've built it, exited and moved on. <laughs> that hasn't been my case, but I feel like, you know, the way we are going, we are building this business is a different kind of template that other people need to see so they know that it can be done. And so that I find that really exciting. Wow, I really like that. And what you said about having role models, people that you can see who have done it before, it's so true. And I will say that, uh, yeah, Lisa Price, I can see being a good one because Carol's daughter, yeah, from way, way back when. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. So I was curious as part of the learning process and with where you are right now, are there any any books, any courses or any classes or anything that you've read or done lately that you think really helped shape maybe your style of leadership as a CEO or even your business as a whole? Yes, um, that's a good question. Like, So in my earlier years, I was reading a lot of how-to books in terms of techniques, you know, how to... Uh, be a better CEO, metrics, you know, all the, the technical things. But as I've moved on in my journey, I, I'm reading more books on mindset, on, um, you know, just being able to look at my life, the business and the world we live in holistically. So the last, um, I've read quite a number of books that are not business related, but I would say that a book that 
I feel is having an impact on how I'm thinking about my business, especially now that we are actually going and raising funds, is a book by Heather McGee called The Sum of Us, right? It's an amazing book. And one of the things that book did for me and the shift it did is that when we begin to talk of um, diversity, equality, and equity, that we as businesses of color, uh, we as women of color, have so much value to bring to the marketplace. And as we go seek funding, uh, funders are used to looking at a certain type of business they want to invest in. But one of the things I know deep down in my soul is that um, we bring unique um, solutions to problems that they have not thought of before. So what this book allowed me to do was really see the value, the uniqueness, and the shift that is going on in the culture, whereby what we bring to the table has to be more valued. And those who get it, get it, and will make a lot of money, and we will all win. So The Sum of Us by Heather McGee um, has been a really important book, especially when you're navigating um, the financial and investment landscape um, um, and, you know, in the process of raising funds. Absolutely. Wow. I definitely, you've sold me on that. I will definitely, uh, definitely check that out. That's Get it on Audible. You can, you can listen to it while you're driving. That's, that's fantastic because you're absolutely right. A lot of what we do, whether it's in business or even our everyday life, it really does start with the mind. It's all a mindset uh, shift. And a lot of times, especially as women, we also deal with like the imposter syndrome and oh, yeah. am I able to do it? Or you might have an idea and think, ah, I can't do that. I can't pursue that. I'm, I'm not good enough or whatever excuse. And so just kind of being able to read books that kind of help to shape that narrative, especially at whatever phase you find yourself in, mm -hmm. I think is, is huge. So yeah, thank you. I will definitely uh, check that out. And so I was curious, I mean, with everything you've done, and I know now you mentioned that uh, your company is currently in the season of uh, raising funds, but for you as a CEO, what what season do you find yourself right now? What would you say is your, your current season of uh, leadership on your entrepreneurial journey right now? I would say I'm in a season of transition. And, you know, at different stages in life and business, there's always transition. So there's transition at this level, and then there's transition at this level. And of course, there's going to be another season of transition at this level. And during a season of transition, there seems like there's a lot of uncertainty. You are doing new things, um, embracing new opportunities, having to kind of break things down and build things up again. And so that is where I am right now, um, transition. And also on a personal level, getting a kid ready to go to college, <laughs> transition. So it's like you can't separate sometimes what's going on in your personal from your business as an entrepreneur. It all kind of goes together. It's like, yeah, it's transition. Transition. I really like that. And it's so interesting. I was talking to another guest, actually, um, I think it was last week, and she said, the exact same thing in, in the sense that 
it's very difficult to separate your personal and your business because they're all aspects of you. Mm-hmm. And so we termed the word work-life integration, right? Like where <laughs> And she liked that too, where yeah. we talked about the fact that you just seamlessly weave through one facet to the next and uh, just keep it moving. Absolutely. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. And, you know, it would behoove me to let you go without asking you. What makes you distinctly you? Oh, my goodness. What makes me distinctly me? I would say, gosh, I feel like it's my ability to empathize with others. Um, Makes me distinctly me because I also tend to show areas of my life that are not what I think they should be because I want people to be able to look at me five years, 10 years from now when I'm like a super mogul (laughs) and be able to say, oh, I remember when, you know, she fell down in this area and oh, look, she made it back up and she's super successful, you know, her company is publicly traded or or something. So I think that um, that desire to be... um, transparent and authentic when I can, I think that makes me uniquely me. It's a step of faith because I, you know, I know that some of the things that I show, you know, I'm like, what if I never get up from there? But you always do. And I think that that's, I think that's what part of what makes me uniquely me. Wow. I, I love that you said that because you are one of the most authentic people I know. And so you saying that is definitely uh, very spot on. And just so you know, it's your authenticity and you're willing to put yourself out there that makes you relatable. And that also makes people drawn to you because then you then become that person that a person says, well, if she can do it, despite having gone through this, this and that. So you become someone else's Lisa Price, but it's Funlayo Alabi this time, right? I love that very much. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for our audience who wants to get in touch with you, learn more about Shea Radiance, about what you're doing. How can they reach out to you? Yes, you can find us um, at SheaRadiance.com. That's our website. You can also find our products on at all your local Whole Foods, your Wegmans, your giant food stores. Please follow us on Instagram. And Instagram and TikTok, now we've moved to TikTok a little bit. So the hashtag is at Shea Radius. We're playing around in TikTok a little bit. And also, um, if you want to find out more about me on the business level, I'm on Instagram. It's Funlayo Alabi or Shea Radiance um, on Instagram. Fantastic. And is there any last word you would want to share for that up and coming uh, female entrepreneur that's scared to take that first step and pursuing what could be the most amazing journey ever? I would say, I mean, I think you've kind of really set it up very nicely. It could be the most important, exciting journey ever, but you'll never find out till you try. And so the scariest thing is getting started. The scariest thing is making that first phone call, right? 
to a potential first client. And or like in my own case, the scariest part was taking a table and setting it out in a farmer's market and walking, watching people walk by and not even acknowledging my existence. And I'm like, I'm trying to sell shea butter here. Nobody's minding me. Just feel the fear and do it. You could make that fi- first call and get the contract, get the person, and that would be a win. But I'm telling you that most of the time, you probably won't get it till you've made the 10th call. But like Sharifa was saying, it could be such a, it is such a worthwhile journey once you make that first step. And we're cheering for you. I love to see women win. So if you need, if you need um, a cheerleader's corner, you know, we're here for you. Absolutely. <laughs> I second you on that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Falaya, for being a part of this podcast and for taking time out to chat with us today on Distinctly You. Thank you. It was wonderful, Sharifa. Thanks for the opportunity.